0: Turn again in your Bibles to Romans 8, verses 29 and 30. For whom he, that is God, foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his Son. He might be the firstborn. Among many brethren, and whom he foreordained them he also called, and whom he called them he also justified, and whom he justified them he also glorified the blessings of salvation, which are given to us, bestowed upon us by God, are all given to us by his grace in virtue of his son. And to the end, that we who at one time knew not, God in his grace who defected from the image of God in which we were created that we undeserving, hell deserving might be conformed to the very image of God's son. We were foreordained to this end. And to bring us to this end, God has, in Christ, called us. In Christ, justified us. In Christ, glorified us. The benefits of Christ, the benefits of salvation, that is, are the benefits of Christ. Benefits that are ours through him and in him. To be called is to be called in virtue of Christ. To be justified is to be justified in virtue of Christ. To be glorified is to be glorified in virtue of Christ. And all to the end that we might be conformed to Christ. Christ, As the scriptures then speak of the blessings of salvation, the benefits of salvation, they speak of these blessings and benefits always in relation to the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and even specifically with respect to his death on the cross. And we noted last week that with respect to Christ's death upon the cross, one of the blessings that belongs to us, one of the benefits of his death for us is that as the catechism puts it in question 41, our death is not a satisfaction for our sins but instead the abolishing of sin and our passage into everlasting life. We are finally delivered from the body of this death, to use the language of Paul in Romans 7 and verse 24, in virtue of Christ. And even though this takes place by the way of our own temporal death, It is indeed the case that sin in us, that the remaining corruption of sin that is in us even after we are renewed in the likeness of Christ and called into union with Jesus Christ, even that sin which remains and that corruption which in a manner of speaking remains, even that is finally and fully abolished, fully and finally abolished put to death and killed, removed, deleted because of Christ. And we enter into something of the fullness of everlasting life. Though we await the day of resurrection, though we await even the reuniting of soul with body and glorification in the likeness of Christ both in soul and in body together, nevertheless upon our death, as sin is abolished in us, so also we pass into the presence of our God and so into eternal life. All this because Christ died for us. God sent his own son. Indeed, that whosoever might believe upon him would live forever. And so it is that in virtue of Christ, The benefit of sin's abolition is ours, even though we yet wait for it now. It is guaranteed to be ours because Christ died and made perfect satisfaction for sin. This, we might say, is in terms of its reception by us, is yet future, however. We who are presently living, who have not ourselves died, we wait for this abolition of sin. We wait, even though eternal life is ours in principle, we wait for its Fullness. We wait for our glorification. And so we need to think further as the Catechism summarizes the teaching of Scripture that there are other benefits of Christ's death. There are other blessings that we receive because Christ died for us, because He made satisfaction for our sin. And the further benefits, or the other benefit that is mentioned by the Catechism is what we might call the abatement of sin. If sin's abolition, if the abolition of sin's corruption is finalized, if you will, upon our death and entrance into eternal life. And if we await that, at present, however, there is something of the ongoing in us abatement of sin. We might speak of this abatement as the sanctification of the justified Sinner, the abolition of sin awaits us, but at present, we who are justified are also sanctified. And this too in virtue of Christ's death. Question 42 of the Catechism. What other benefit do we receive by the death of Christ? That by virtue of his death, Our old man is crucified, slain, and buried together with him, figured out in holy baptism, that henceforth evil lusts and desires may not reign in us, but we may offer ourselves unto him a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And so as we consider together something of the virtue and benefit of Christ's death, we need to notice not only, first of all, what we did last week, the abolition of sin, but secondly, today, the abatement of sin or the sanctification of the justified sinner. And just as the abolition of sin is future, so the abatement of sin, so the sanctification of Christ's people is a present benefit of Christ's death. It is presently given to us. Here we are reminded that we need not wait for our glorification to know what it means to be conformed to the image of God's Son. We are conformed even at present to Jesus Christ even as we are called, justified, and sanctified. The beginnings, we might say, of glorification, the beginning of that final benefit of Christ is in a certain measure given to us at present so that the old man of sin is crucified, slain, and buried in union with Jesus Christ so that at present evil lusts and desires do not reign in us so that at present we may offer ourselves unto Christ a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And so as we think of this present abatement of sin, the present sanctification of the justified believer, justified sinner, we need to think of three things in particular. Three things pertain to sanctification. First of all, is the crucifixion, death, and burial of the old man in virtue of Christ? Those who will be finally conformed to the image of Christ, to the image of God's Son, are presently called. And justified in union with Jesus Christ. Here we need to turn back to Romans 6. Romans 6, upon the Apostle telling us that we are justified once and for all in Jesus Christ, and that even as Adam's sin was credited to us unto our condemnation, so also Christ's righteousness has been credited to us, and so we are justified. He asked the question then, In chapter 6 and verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We who died to sin, how shall we any longer live therein? Or are ye ignorant that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be in bondage to sin. For he that hath died is justified from sin. We'll say more from Romans 6. But notice how Paul speaks there of the old man being crucified with Christ, Christ's crucifixion avails for us, benefits us in this way, that the old man, whatever the old man is, it is crucified. Paul specifies what this is by telling us that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be in bondage to sin. For he that hath died, that is, died with Christ, is justified from sin. When we think of the death of the old man and the crucifixion, the slaying, even the bearing together with Jesus Christ of the old man, we must think in terms of both calling and justification. To die with Jesus Christ is to receive the benefit of being called out of the state of sin. If the body of sin, if the fullness of sin, as it pertains to us, is done away with in virtue of Christ such that we are no longer in bondage to sin, it means that we have been delivered from, called out of a state of sin and called into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Indeed, to have died with him is also to live with him. Verse 8. And this calling entails the justification of the sinner. Declared not guilty of sin. Declared Righteous in Jesus Christ. Indeed, to put it simply, we have died to sin. The old man is crucified, slain, and buried together with Jesus Christ in virtue of his death we have been called once and for all in such a way that the old man is once and for all dead. In justification, dead to the condemnation of sin and in calling dead to the rain and the power of sin what i am speaking of as calling here is often in more recent terminology regeneration it's interesting to read that the older theologies tend to speak of regeneration as what we call sanctification. That is the ongoing renewal of the Christian in the likeness of Christ. What we think of as sanctification, they spoke of as regeneration. What we speak of as regeneration in our in common theology today is often reserved for calling. So, you look at our confession of faith for example as it speaks of our calling it speaks of uh things like the renewal or the enlightenment of the mind the um the freedom of the will from its bondage to sin and the changing of the heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh those things are in more common or more recent um Theological language are called regeneration, but in the context of the older Reformed theology, they were spoken of with respect to calling. And that's what Paul has in view here in Romans 6. Our calling out of the state of sin and into union with Jesus Christ, such that the old man, the old man of sin, that the corruption of sin, we are freed from it. It is put to death. Together with Christ, and we are justified from sin. Called and justified in virtue of Christ's death. And so much of this is figured out, says the Catechism, in Holy Baptism. Figured out, that is, it is pictured in our baptism which is why Paul uses the language of baptism here. We were baptized into Christ, meaning that we were baptized into his death and buried with him, therefore through baptism into death. Crucified with Christ, dead with Christ, buried with Christ, all of this symbolized Shown to us, sealed to us in our baptism. Indeed, united to Christ in his death in such a way that in virtue of that death, we who are joined to him are called justified. That is, the old man is crucified, slain, and buried together with him. The abatement of sin then, The abatement of sin consists of the sanctification of the called and the justified. And so first of all, we think of calling and justification, but secondly, we need to think of sanctification. We are sanctified in Christ. We who are called, we who are justified, at present, at present are being renewed in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We are dead to sin once and for all. And we are to reckon ourselves, Paul says in verse 11 of Romans 6. We're to regard ourselves as dead to sin in virtue of our calling and justification. Yes, even alive unto God in Christ Jesus. And so he says unto us, let not sin therefore, verse 12, reign in your mortal body that ye should obey the lusts thereof. Neither present your members unto sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves unto God as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under law, but under grace. If the old man is dead, if you've been called out of that state of sin and misery, if the old man is, in a manner of speaking, dead in virtue of the fact that you have been justified from sin, declared free from the guilt of sin once and for all, then you are called and justified in order that sin should not reign in you in such a way that you should obey the lusts of sin, the desires of the sinful mind. You should live in such a way that you do not present the members of your body unto sin so that they would be instruments of any kind of unrighteousness. If you are righteous in Christ... Not an internal inherent righteousness, but if you are righteous in Christ, that is, you have been declared righteous in Christ, then subsequently you cannot live and ought not to live in unrighteousness, but you present yourselves to God as alive from the dead, and your members of it as instruments of righteousness unto God. sin as those who are called and justified shall not have dominion over you. In the state of sin, you were under law, but in the state of grace, you are under grace. So live that way. Live that way. The old man has been crucified, put to death, buried together with Jesus Christ, as he was crucified, as he was put to death, and as he was buried, as good as his body was on the cross, as good as his body was put to death, as good as his body was buried in the grave, so too your old man has been nailed to the cross, put to death once for all, and buried in the grave. You are called then in virtue of Christ, justified in virtue of Christ. And that means that as those who are being sanctified in virtue of Christ, you live. Not in the things of the old man, not in the things of sin and unrighteousness, Not as if you were under the dominion of those things, but as you are now free from those things. The old man is dead and buried and gone. Yes, as we see from Romans 7, vestiges remain. There is remaining sin. but the old man of sin and unrighteousness is good and gone, good and dead. And so, those things do not reign in you such that you should live in evil lusts, evil desires. Your Minds, which were once darkened in sin, have been enlightened in Christ. Your wills, which were once enslaved in sin, have been granted freedom in Christ. Your hearts, which were once hearts of stone in the state of sin, good and dead, are now alive in Christ, hearts of flesh. You indeed don't live under the reign of sin, but you live in. Christ, and you are justified from sin in Christ. So live that way. Don't let sin reign in you because it doesn't reign in you. Don't obey the lusts of your former way of life. Live in righteousness and this too by the virtue of Christ's death. Paul says, even after having given consideration to remaining sin and to the conflict which we find ourselves in by virtue of remaining sin, in chapter 7, he comes to that great conclusion In chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now at present no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And this reality is further specified with respect even to the way we live then. The implications of the way we live under the influence of the spirit. The spirit who Paul says in this context is in fact the first fruits of our glorification that is he's already at present in already presently working in us in principle and what is ours in virtue of the spirit in the future is already in a manner of speaking present now so that as those who are called and justified already We are under the influence of the spirit of Jesus Christ. The spirit whom Christ said that if he went away, that this comforter would come. If he departs, I will send him to you, he said to his disciples. The very Christ who is our sanctification said that he would send his spirit unto us to lead us into all truth. The Christ who is our sanctification said unto us that he would send forth his spirit to sanctify us according to the word of truth. And this he does in such a way that those who are destined to be finally conformed to the image of Jesus Christ are presently being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You who are called, you who are justified, you are being sanctified in virtue of the Spirit. And so live that way. Living in the light of Christ's death. Living In the light of the benefits of Christ's death, or living according to those benefits, is living as those who have been called, have been justified, and are presently being renewed, sanctified. And it must be this way for Christians, for you, dear believer. Because by Christ's death, the old man is dead. And buried in such a way that the old man is never resurrected, the new man is. Where you're resurrected as a new man in Christ. When we think then of the present abatement of sin, we must think in terms of of not only, first of all, the death of the old man in Christ, crucified, slain, and buried together with Christ, that is, we are called and justified. We must think of the present ongoing work of sanctification, that is, Christ who is our sanctification by the spirit of sanctification is renewing us, enabling us not to live according to former evil lusts, not letting the desires of the flesh reign in us any longer. But thirdly and finally, when we think of the abatement of sin and the, as the present benefit of Christ, this sanctification of the justified sinner, this sanctification of the called sinner, we think as well of the offering of ourselves unto Christ as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Paul will go on to say in chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, Call upon you, I urge you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service, which is your reasonable service. Offering yourself unto God in Christ as a sacrifice of thanksgiving, is the fruit and benefit of Jesus Christ, rooted as it is in the mercies of God, mercies which are to be found in Jesus Christ. And again, if we go back to Romans chapter 6, notice how much Paul talks about the body, not letting sin reign in the body. Not using the members of sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but presenting yourselves unto God as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. This is obviously not to any kind of exclusion of the soul as we are human beings, body and soul. But it is to say that the Christian, it is to say that the believer who has been called out of sin And into fellowship with Jesus Christ who is alive from the dead. The believer who is justified from sin. Who is no longer under the condemnation of sin. Who indeed in virtue of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Is one who's justified. He therefore doesn't let sin reign. Not only in the lusts and desires of the mind, the lusts and desires of the soul, but he does not let sin reign in his body. Indeed, he goes so far as to offer himself wholly, fully, body and soul as a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God for such tremendous mercy. You've been called, you've been justified, you are presently being shaped in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, this is your reasonable service. This is what is perfectly fitting for you as one who has received such benefit from Jesus Christ's death. Sacrifice yourself in service in thanksgiving to God. Why is it a good thing, as the psalmist says, to give thanks unto God? Because by his great work he has made us glad. In Christ, in virtue of Jesus Christ, the old man of sin is crucified, slain, and buried. And our baptism is a sign and seal of that reality, such that at present, evil lusts and desires do not reign in us and ought not to reign in us. And instead, as those who are dead to sin in Christ, as those who are not condemned in sin because of Christ, as those who are free from the reign of sin in Christ, we offer ourselves joyfully, gladly, thankfully to the Christ. Who died for us. The abatement of sin. At present then. The abatement of sin consists of being transformed. According to the likeness of Jesus Christ. In whom we are already dead to sin. In whom. We might say sin is dead to us the old man crucified, the old man dead, the old man buried. We are being transformed in the likeness of Jesus Christ then so that we may at present glorify God and enjoy him in the way of giving thanks unto him. We offer ourselves, we present ourselves, body and soul, as a sacrifice that is alive, not dead. The beasts of the old covenant were laid upon the altar, already having been put to death. But we are put upon the altar as it were, as holy sacrifices, sacrifices pleasing to God as those who are alive in Jesus Christ and so dead to sin. And this is our reasonable service. This is our service rendered unto God in the strength of the Spirit, in virtue of Jesus Christ. Here we are, Lord. We are yours. When you think of your life, do you think of it as a life of thanksgiving and offering up of your whole self unto God? And do you think of it in those terms, not because you think, oh, I have this burden that I have to fulfill. I have to make sure that I am right and offer myself up unto God in order to curry his favor, in order to gain something of his love. That's a great temptation for us, is it not? But the scriptures teach just the opposite. You offer yourself, your whole self, unto God as a living God. Sacrifice. Not a sacrifice that needs to be made alive. Not a sacrifice that, oh, I hope, oh, I hope I can gain something from doing something for God. No, the very Christ who died for you died for you so that you might be dead to sin. Dead to sin dead to its rule and reign in such a way that you might freely live this way. Indeed, it is not because, or it is not in order to gain God's love that we live this way, but it is because of God's love to us in Christ Jesus that we live this way. It is because God loved us and gave his own son for us that we will be conformed finally to the image of his son. It is because God loved us and gave his son for us. It is because the son in the flesh died for us that the old man is dead and buried. That sin does not, and its evil lusts and desires does not reign in us. It's because of Jesus Christ and the fullness of his death and his satisfaction for sin that you may and must live by offering yourself a sacrifice to God. This too is a benefit of Christ. The very grace to present yourself is a gift of Christ's death for you. And his death for you is the very love of God for you. Brethren, don't think Don't think that for one minute your life as a Christian is oriented towards earning the favor of God. But your life as a Christian is a life in Christ. A life that is formed by the benefits of Jesus Christ. A life that is at present a life of being conformed to the image of God's own son. And a life that is yours because Christ died for you how then shall we live in view of the virtue and benefits of Christ's death knowing that we are dead to sin and knowing Because sin no longer reigns in us, we may freely, by grace, offer ourselves in thankful service to our God.